The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. If I had to spend every single show dismantling media lies, of course, that's one of the, the slogans for the show. Destroying the media lies, dismantling the narratives. If I had to spend every single show doing this, I would have material for light years. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. There is enough material for me to go on and on. I mean, think of this. We already talked about Jussie Smollett, Smollett, whatever the hell his name is, the Empire actor. We did that on the last show, and we're not going to talk about that ever again. But just media lies and media narratives abound. Think about this one incident recently where President Trump is basically going to the U.N. to say, hey, we need to decriminalize homosexuality in countries that still have it as a crime. Well, Out Magazine decides, because Out Magazine is for the LGBTQ crew, they're for the cause, maybe they would be down with this idea. Quote, rather than actually being about helping queer people around the world, Trump's campaign looks more like another instance of the right using queer people as a pawn to amass power and enact its own agenda. Is that that tactic where you pretend to champion a marginalized group and give them everything they want to a degree, but then keep them in poverty while you get while they reelect you over and over in your war on, on poverty? Your little civil rights thing, Mr. LBJ, is that the same template that you're trying to insinuate that Trump is using? Because he's not using that template, but Out Magazine, even though it would behoove them to support something of this nature, they would rather, nah, we're still going to say that Trump's a homophobe and he's against the LGBT community and he wants homosexuals to die even though he's trying to globally decriminalize it. In fact, one journalist said, oh, my gosh, this article in an LGBTQ magazine, no less, actually argues that it's racist and colonist for Trump to put pressure on Iran to decriminalize homosexuality. And that Iran is actually not that bad when it comes to homosexuality anyways. Yeah. Remember Mahmoud Ahmadinejad? Remember that guy? He was actually interviewed and they said, oh, we don't have gay people in Iran. You don't have gay people. Not one gay person lives in Iran, probably because they're all hanging from cranes in downtown Tehran. But no living people live in Iran who are gay. But they're better on homosexuality than Donald Trump is. So the media narrative is always going to be Trump is a homophobe. He's a sexist. He's against the working people. He's blah, blah, blah. And no matter what he does, because he has the magic R by his name, we are going to get more vilification and smearing and BS like that. And so now when it gets into tax cuts, because we're coming up on tax season and we have Bernie Sanders now in the race, Mr. Uh, I'm going to fantasize about rape back in 1971, and I'm going to write stories about it. You should read that. Go look it up. We're going to employ same misogynist people on his staff. We're going to have them come into the fray. We're going to have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, her and her ilk in the fray, and they're all going to stand up against Wall Street, and they're all going to stand up against taxation, And when Amazon, evil Amazon, Jeff Bezos, the guy who owns the Washington Post, his company, when he's not out there showing pics like Anthony Weiner, schlong pics to women, and he's in the middle of his messy divorce, his company, Amazon, is the evil corporate, you know, giant. And 
we're going to vilify them in New York because they want to set up a second headquarters, and we're going to talk about how they're going to send all these people employed from other parts of the country into New York to take up all the space and jack the price of housing through supply and demand through the roof to where it's going to hurt the people who actually live there because Amazon's getting tax breaks from the state of New York and blah, 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 blah. We're going to vilify them. And we're going to hold up the socialist narrative that Wall Street, capitalist businesses, capitalism in general, all evil. And so we get stories like this one from Yahoo Finance, of course. Amazon will pay zero taxes on 11.2 billion in profit in 2018. Now, they didn't abbreviate it in the headlines because they're going for that sticker shock effect with your average idiot. They have zero taxes paid by Amazon on 11,200,000,000. They want that sticker shock to hit you. This is the article. Let me read a little bit of this for you. While some people have received some surprise tax bills, voila, you didn't get the refund you thought you were going to get because they didn't take as much money from your paychecks each month. That's not in the article. That's a little bit of fact there. Some surprise tax bills that people may have got when filing their returns, corporations continue to avoid paying tax thanks to a cocktail of tax credits, loopholes, and exemptions. Loopholes is another word for deductions, legislatively crafted deductions. Anyways, according to a report from the Institute of Taxation and Economic Policy, the ITEP, Amazon will pay nothing in federal tax income for the second year in a row. Thanks to new Tax Cuts and Job Act, the TCJA, under Trump, Amazon's federal tax re uh, responsibility is 21%, down from 35% in previous years. But with the help of tax breaks, according to corporate filings, Amazon will not be paying a dime to Uncle Sam, despite posting more than $11.2 billion in profits in 2018. How is that possible? It's hard to know exactly what they're doing. Steve Wamhoff from ITEP's Director of Federal Tax Policy uh, from their institute. In their public documents, they don't lay out their tax strategy. I don't know anyone that does. So it's unclear exactly which breaks the company has taken advantage of. They vaguely say tax credits. One could think of many different ways this corporation could do this, like depreciation breaks, which were expanded under the TCJA. Though Amazon may have taken advantage of new breaks and loopholes under the TCJA, this isn't the first year that Amazon has avoided paying federal tax credit or paying federal taxes. This is interesting because they talk about how in 2017 they didn't pay, even though the company reported $5.6 billion. They talk about even years before that they didn't pay, before the TCJA was ever enacted. But we don't want to talk about that. We want to make it seem like Trump put a tax break in for corporations and now nobody's paying taxes. And it isn't that bl uh, black and white. It isn't that binary of a choice. So keep that in mind. We're going to get into that here in just a second. According to Wamhoff, the company uh, Amazon pays all taxes that are required to... Oh, well, actually, this is actually from... Uh, an Amazon spokesperson, they said Amazon pays all the taxes we are required to pay in the U.S. in every country where we operate, including the $2.6 billion in corporate tax and reporting $3.4 billion in tax expense over the last three years. Now, Wamhoff said the company's apparently non-existent tax bill highlights that there have always been issues with corporate tax liability. He says the thing we need to know now is would they have had positive corporate income tax liability if it were not for the TCJA? Maybe. It's hard to tell. That's your... That's what... Really? That's what you're going with here. I mean, here's the dirty truth. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of this, okay? Because the media has been lying to you about taxes, <laughs> especially during this tax season. 
First off, for the person who may be employed by an employer, people are complaining, I've filed my taxes. I'm not getting that big of a refund or I may actually owe. Take a moment and gander at your W-2. Take a moment and gander at your previous year's W-2. And when you do, go into that federal withholding box. I think it's over there in box number two. At the top right of most W-2s, you'll notice it's considerably less. These are the taxes that come out of your paycheck each, each pay period that go to the federal government before you see a paycheck. They took less. You got more. So if you didn't pay them as much, you're probably not going to get back as much. And if they didn't withhold enough, you may not get the opportunity for a refund you may actually pay. Simple as that. Here's another thing that they did away with. Personal exemptions. You used to be able to get, what, 3500 something like that. I can't remember the, top, the number off the top of my head. Per person. So if I'm filing, and I'm filing with my sweet, hot piece of you-know-what wife, well, we both get an exemption each. And then I got two little tykes. They've been on the earth for more than a year. For that taxable year, they would have gotten personal exemptions too. That would have taken your taxable income, your adjusted gross income, and lowered it. You might have, in my, in my case, you might have fallen into a smaller tax bracket. You might have been towing the line, but thanks to those exemptions, you crossed that line into a lower tax break. Well, guess what they did? They got rid of those, but they also kind of widened to a degree. In some cases, mine still would have been something that would have benefited from the exemptions, but you they widened those tax brackets. So what you have to look at is if you're employed, the employer just didn't withhold as much. And guess what? You're now paying taxes or your refund is smaller. If you're waiting for the government to amass a good chunk of your, your money, your income, and hang on to it so that they can give it all back to you after the first of the year, not a smart investment choice. I'd say put it in something that yields a return, but who am I? So then you get into the state and local tax deductions, wherein if you got a refund from the state, up until about $10,000 of that refund, you may not be able over that amount to deduct it from your federal any longer. Well, what, what does that do? Well, that keeps the federal income tax from being uh, impacted to where you're paying less on the federal end because you've paid more on the state end. Well, if you live in New York, California, that works great for you. You pay more to the state, state gets more money, state gets more revenue to uh, do whatever it wants to with your tax money on a state level. But guess what? For federal issues, people in Virginia, North Carolina, you know, Texas, Florida, they are now footing the bill for federal things that you got to deduct in those high tax states. So what they're doing is they're putting the burden of taxation on the states, as it should be. Federalism, in my mind, is key. Municipal tax rates, state tax rates. Come up with good tax rate policy. Come up with something that doesn't kill your citizens. Come up with something that doesn't require you to give tax breaks to companies to lure them to your state, like Amazon received from New York before Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ran that out. So... These are things that people need to think about when they're thinking about all of this brouhaha on their own personal taxes. Now, we're going to get into Amazon specifically and why they, under the tax code, were allowed to avoid paying taxes this year and that that entire Yahoo News story is complete junk. So, yeah, the media narrative now is Amazon. They haven't paid any taxes. I can go down the list of uh, headlines here. It's pretty uh, insightful. You know, they, uh, and it's funny because it works on people that I know. People I know are going online 
complaining about, oh, well, you know, the big corporate companies are getting out scot-free. They're not paying taxes. Bernie Sanders tweets, Amazon made $16.8 billion in profits over the last two years, but it paid zero federal income taxes. In fact, got a $269 million tax refund. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says Amazon is paying zero dollars in taxes on 11 plus billion in profit. Zero for schools, zero for firefighters, zero for infrastructure, zero for research and healthcare. Research, maybe you should rethink that, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Zero for schools and firefighters. That's not federally funded. That's by the states, which you ran that company out, which would have brought state revenue in. But we're not going to get into that. We're going to specifically get into the, the federal tax return and the lie of Amazon getting around the system to make a zero tax liability happen. Amazon made $11.2 billion in profit in 2018, but paid no federal tax. That's the Guardian. Chicago Tribune, Amazon paid no federal taxes on $11.2 billion. Also, that's from Chicago Tribune. Amazon will pay $0 in federal taxes. That's MSN News. We can go on. We can go to Market Watch. Amazon riled up the left for not paying federal taxes in its position to offset future profits, too. We can also get into KPLR. Despite record profits, Amazon didn't pay any federal tax in 2018. You know why? When a business starts up, and Netflix, even Trump's company, is guilty of this situation. It's called a net operating loss. A taxpayer with annual business deductions that exceed their income, they may have what's called a net operating loss. Partnerships, your S-corporations, which are your mom-pog groups, you know, those companies, generally they cannot use net operating loss because they're passed through companies. The money that is collected at the corporation level isn't taxable. It's just reported as the figure that the government gets, and then that's all distributed down to their owners who they have to file that as personal taxes. So they wouldn't be able to do a net operating loss because that would help them personally. That'd be you doing your personal taxes and going, oh, a company I work for got a loss. I get to write that off and I don't get to pay taxes personally. So that's why S-Corps and partnerships are not included. There are rules that allow uh, deductions from income, which are allowed for net operating loss purposes. In general, the following are not allowed in in calculating net operating loss. Any deductions for personal expenses, that's why the partnerships and S-Corps wouldn't work. Capital losses in excess of capital gains, that's investments, you know, capital gains tax. Um, There's a lot more that goes into a net operation loss deductions, but... Basically, what happens is if you're a new business or you're a business that's in a time of change or you're running into some headwinds, you're probably going to incur a loss. Well, the tax code allows you to take that loss and you can use a portion of it to offset anything you have coming in. Then what's called the carryback period. Here's the carryback period on net operating loss. You must carry back the entire amount of net operating loss two years before the year the net operating loss occurs. So you get to go back two years and do those returns and then carry forward the unused amount for 20 years after. So if you have a substantial amount, well, then you get to carry a portion of that, not more than what the tax liability would have been. So you can't issue a refund and get money back just because you had a loss that you applied. You know, so say I'm going to have a operating loss of 100000 and I have this net operating loss on the books sitting there, $268 million. Well, I get to use that 100000 from a previous loss to offset it to where I have zero. And guess what? I subtract that from the pot, the $268 million, and what's left, I get to use next year. And then I get to use next year and I get to use it every year until it's used up. Let's take a look at the income statements from Amazon. In 2014, they had net sales, product services, $88,988,000, cost of sales, $62,752,000, giving them gross profit of uh, $26,200,000. 
236. Well, then they had their operating expenses, marketing, technology, assets that are, you know, the long-term liabilities, all that stuff. And they came out with a loss before income and taxes of 111 million. Then that after taxes gave them a net income loss of 241 million. Well, they were able to use that over the course of a few years, along with previous net operating losses accrued. And so when they get into each year, you have 596 million in 2015, and then it gets up to 2,371 million, and then it grows because they're steadily making income and they're using that net operating loss. What's interesting is the, the billions that they're talking about that they want to go on and on about in the news is from the income loss before income and taxes. That's the 11261000000 $261. But what is the deal in this situation is that they have legally under the tax code, they're sitting on a write-off amount that they have to use up portions of each year on their taxes until they're done with it. And nine times out of 10, that's going to result in zero tax liability. So then you get into what are the tax credits? Well, from our understanding, they're for research activities involving streaming. Now, this helps the business, but it also helps the technology in general. If they're looking into finding ways to stream high amounts of data at, at lower, more condensed bandwidth, well, that works for Netflix, that works for Crackle, that works for anybody under the sun. Doesn't have to be streaming video. That could be tech organizations. That could be data moving through technology. And that research is considered research and experimentation, R&E, which are deductible under Section 174. Some of these things, it says research and uh, experimentation is work you do in inventing businesses to discover information. It helps eliminate scientific and technical uncertainty concerning development and improvement of inventions, patents, processes, prototypes, whatever the case may be. So there's a good possibility without us knowing that a good majority of the tax credits they were receiving are based on the fact that they're researching better ways to get data across technology. Well, if that's deductible under the code, guess what? The team of tax accountants and CPAs and enrolled agents like yours truly is going to work to make their customer happy and do what is called tax avoidance, which is not illegal. Tax evasion, you know, pulling Al Capone, that's illegal. Tax avoidance, it is not. That is the lie that Yahoo Finance is peddling. When you see Amazon's paying $0 on taxes based on profit of $11.2 billion, and Bernie and AOC are out there parroting that, it's a myth because they're using losses from previous years to offset that amount, which gives them a zero tax liability. Back in just a moment. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. So to sum up this Amazon thing, the Democratic Socialists, they're up in arms and they're outspokenly vilifying a major corporation because that's what they do. They play on the ignorance of their electorate. They're hoping that they were in a position to where maybe they worked for a company and, you know, they didn't get that raise. And the corporate CEOs, they're spending money in other places. They should be thinking about me. They should be thinking about my fellow workers. They should give us all a raise. They should. It's just all of the things that would that somebody would bellyache regardless of performance. Yeah, some businesses aren't quick with the raise. But that doesn't mean you have to stick with that company. But all of that or encompasses what they're looking to do to play on the vitriol and anger of the electorate. That's what these democratic socialists do. They're not doing it because they're trying to help out those people. They actually just want to capitalize on it. So they're vilifying a major corporation, even if the same owner 
of that corporation is steering the vehicle of the light of democracy that is under the threat of dying in darkness. Yeah, the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, same guy throwing dick pics out there to some chick while he's in the middle of a divorce. Yeah, he owns Amazon and the Washington Post. And you can have Tom Hanks come out there and read over a $5 million ad for the Super Bowl that you could have used on retaining your journalist staff. But regardless of that, they want to get mad at Amazon not paying taxes. And the media is out there aiding and embedding this entire thing, putting out shoddy stories that we read at the beginning of the show, written in such a way to play on the ignorance and the lack of knowledge on complicated tax methods of tax avoidance that anyone would hire an accountant to do. And so they're going to hit you with crap headlines. Um, they're going to they're going to steer close enough to the truth in like the 10th paragraph of their story with the crap headline in order to like maintain some sort of validity. You know, they want to maintain some sort of credibility, even though things like like PolitiFact, PolitiFact actually had, I mean, this is, this is what they put out. Senator Bernie Sanders said Amazon paid no federal income tax in 2017. He's right. Okay, well, you probably need to go in to explain how that happened because based on it alone, you're insinuating to the general public that these people just went ahead and, and evaded taxes did illegal activity to avoid paying taxes. And now that Amazon ruffled feathers of the almighty First National Church of Gov and the possibility of avoiding the tithes to the First National Church of Gov, them being taxes, by receiving tax breaks by the state, which the state was doing to lure them in, again, I would be for low tax rates in every state, and lure them in on other aspects, good schools, uh, well-managed uh, communities, you know, things of that nature, good proximity. Now, what they do is they jack the tax rates up and, and fleece as many people as they can of their own money, any business, they want to fleece them of their own money, and then they turn around and say, hey, we'll give you a tax break. And everybody forgets New York actually had a campaign probably three, maybe five years ago, to where outside of New York City, outside of Manhattan, if you moved to Elmira, if you moved to Buffalo, if you were a business, you would have been paying no taxes. That was their pitch. So obviously, whoever pitched that idea understands the importance of tax breaks or good, sound tax rate policy. Low tax rates, people who make money, keep their money, spend their money. So in a situation where a business retains money, it's going to hire more. It's going to spend more on infrastructure, investment, what have you. If they hire more, those people are going to be higher taxpayers or paying more for goods and services at other businesses. And then it just goes on and on and on. But they don't want to talk about that. And even though these same democratic socialists that are out there watching the marvelous Ms. Maisel, ordering Christmas gifts, using Amazon Prime, getting that two-day free shipping, even though they're having groceries drone drop shipped to their front freaking door, they're still going to complain about Amazon. They're still going to have their guns blazing against them. Keep in mind... There's many different types of business entities one can choose from in regards to how a business is designed. And I bring that up because it's the discussion of business taxes. You have a C corporation. Typically, they're the ones that are publicly traded. You have S corps. Typically, they are nine times out of ten your mom and pa corporations. You have your LLCs, your LPs, your, they're all partnership in makeup. S-corporations can have up to, what, uh, 100 different uh, uh, owners? 
LLCs, LPs can have unlimited number of partners. Regardless, this gives you a breakdown of the types of entities. Amazon being a C corporation. Now, when an S corporation, an LLC, an LP, when they're taxed, they're not taxed at the business level. The money gets reported, the revenue gets reported, or taxable income, and that income, whatever's been divvied out to its owners, they're taxed on their individual returns. So they don't get to offset any losses that they may have incurred in the course of business because you don't have to go out of business to incur a loss. You can incur a loss and continue to do business. And so the federal government said, well, yeah, a lot of times a business may be in a situation where they may have a loss. We're going to allow them to deduct that from taxes. Well, at the C corporation level, the business is taxed on their income. And then that money then gets whatever distribution goes to its owners. At that point, they're taxed again. So the first tax layer is the one getting the offset from a prior loss. And if that causes a zero liability, well, that's what the tax code says is allowable. Get some people into Congress to change it. But don't vilify them and make them out on the news to be thieves. Make them out to be people that are using loopholes. Those aren't loopholes. They're allowable deductions. I can't say it enough. So... We have to keep that in mind when we think about what the news is spinning on Amazon and what they're spinning on Netflix and what they're spinning on GE. Yeah, GE hasn't paid taxes in a while. Who owns GE? Or what do they own? NBC? Comcast? I can't remember. There's a couple couple uh, organizations in the media that who are on the side of the Democratic Socialists that are also benefiting from these tax loophole allowable deductions. So basically, if your loss is so large that it can cover a full year's tax liability and give you a zero balance, let's not forget that that means the corporate level's not paying the taxes. That doesn't mean the owners aren't paying taxes on their personal tax returns. That doesn't mean there isn't property tax that the company is paying to whatever locality they're headquartered in. That doesn't mean there is state income tax that they're skipping out on. That doesn't mean that the people that work for that industry are not going out and sell, uh, buying things and spending money on sales tax. And the, you see what I mean? There's taxes being paid, but maybe they're just not paying income to the almighty first national church of gov. They're not tithing so that they can get roads and bridges and uh, firefighters and schools, which firefighters and schools are uh, funded by the localities and the states who inject money to the localities and zero federal funding except for federal funding that is divvied out to the states. Same federal funding that Obama held over the heads of certain states is where that comes into play. So when they give you that narrative, they're giving you a bunch of crap. Firefighters, schools, don't sit there and believe that garbage. Now, Bernie Sanders, he's been the one kickstarting this. There are other democratic socialists that are out there doing this. He's the first one to uh, complain and vilify them. Just check out his clip on Amazon. All right, burn notice. Senator Bernie Sanders taking aim at Wall Street and Amazon in his 2020 campaign announcement. Listen. Our campaign is about taking on the powerful special interest that dominate our economic and political life. I'm talking about Wall Street. We should not have a regressive tax system in which large profitable corporations like Amazon pay nothing in federal income taxes. Liz, what do you think? Amazon, the enemy of the people. It employs no one. It provides horrible power. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, this is really, I mean, well, the, it's one of Bernie Sanders' favorite targets for sure. Formerly because they didn't pay a $15 minimum wage, now because they don't pay federal income taxes. Look, he's in the Senate. He's been there a gazillion years. If he doesn't like the tax code that allows Amazon to carry forward tax yeah. laws, carry forwards and things like that, he's in a position to fix that. This is, I mean, this is just demagoguery at its worst. Fox Business is right. 
Pure demagoguery. Straw man arguments. We got to beat the, the evil corporations into Wall Street 1%. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes on further to talk about Amazon and say, well, you know, Amazon, you're not paying your employees enough. We got to force you to play, uh, pay $15 an hour. You were supportive of the fact that Amazon pulled out of New York City, that it, that, that deal did not go through. I was, and but I was also supportive and, and maybe at the lead of telling Amazon, owned by the wealthiest person in the world, that they cannot continue to pay their employees nine or 10 or $11 an hour. They had to raise the minimum wage, their minimum wage to 11 bucks an hour, which as you recall, uh, happened. We did that with Disney uh, as well. President Trump has been on Twitter hammering internet giant Amazon and its owner, Jeff Bezos. On Saturday, the president tweeted, quote, Amazon must pay real costs and taxes now. Now, you said this week that you are, quote, absolutely concerned about Amazon's, quote, extraordinary power. Do you think Amazon has gotten too big? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think this is an, look, this is an issue that has got to be looked at. Uh, what we are seeing all over this country is the decline in retail. Uh, we're seeing this incredibly large company getting involved in almost every area of commerce. And I think it is important uh, to take a look at the power and influence that Amazon has. Oh, stay in your lane, Amazon. A business cannot get so successful that they move into other areas. Maybe they're expanding their business. You know, we don't want them to be taking over such a big sector of commerce. You know, they're going to be billionaires and they're going to make money and they're going to move from selling books online to having you watch streaming shows like Jack Ryan, which kick ass. Stop it, Amazon. Yeah, I, I don't understand. And here he is on his Fight for 15. We also want to take this opportunity to thank the heroes and heroines at the Fight for 15 movement, a movement which started off in the fast food industry a number of years ago, but is sweeping the country. I thank them very much for all that they do. I think it's also interesting when you think about Bernie Sanders and his views of capitalism. CBS asked him directly about What's your opinion of capitalism at this at Look, I think... Uh, what we see uh, in this country and around the world is a lot of great entrepreneurs who come up with some great ideas and some great products. But I think what is happening is some of these folks, uh, we are, have a system which allows these people to accumulate huge amounts of income and wealth. So when I talk about democratic socialism, you're not talking about the government running the local grocery store or anything else like that. What we are saying is that in America, and by the way, Franklin Delano Roosevelt talked about this way back in the 1940s, that people are entitled not only to certain constitutional political rights, they are entitled to economic rights. So somebody wants to call me a, a radical, okay, here it is. I believe that people are inherently entitled to healthcare. I believe people are entitled to get the best education they can. I believe that people are entitled to live in a clean, environment. People are entitled to have decent paying jobs. So success and the opportunity to succeed is basically evil to this guy. We should not have a grotesque level of wealth in, in this country. Yeah, we should make them all uh, stand in bread lines where the government can make the rich go to the back of the line, unless of course they donated to the guy's campaign. Speaking of bread lines, listen to his views of journalists who are reporting on third world nations in Latin America in the 80s, um, who may have some type of socialist system of government. You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. Oh, yeah. Bernie's like, yeah, bread lines are good. The rich, you know, I mean, look, the rich would have to uh, avoid taking food from the poor in the bread lines. Yeah, um, Bernie, your premise is flawed. The fact that there's a freaking line in the first place is a problem. Look under capitalism, the only line you stand in is the checkout line. Thanks to those idiots out there in the Democratic Socialist Party, they're jacking up the minimum wage rates to $15 an hour in some states, 
Many of those checkout lines are now automated. But that's the, uh, the evil of capitalism. And that's how they view it. You know, they're, they're fine with the bread lines. They're fine with divvying out and rationing things to get to the, to the workers. Never mind the fact that those doing the rationing will pick and choose the winners. And who rations the food to the rationer? The guy doing the rationing, he has his pick of the litter. That is the problem with it. That is why capitalism works. Socialism is a failed experiment. It's failed many times, and it's based on elitism. And Bernie Sanders steps right all over that. So let's backtrack a little bit more to Bernie Sanders. He said, how many yachts do billionaires need? How many cars do they need? Give us a break. You can't have it all. But apparently you are if you were the communist leader in Cuba. Listen what he has to say about Cuba and also his time in Nicaragua to advise Daniel Ortega. I think what I learned, one of the things that I, I think I learned on my trip, you know, as, as a socialist, the word socialism does not frighten me. And I think it's probably fair to say that the Nicaraguan government is primarily a socialist government. You may recall way back in, when was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world, that all the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They had forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same way. How do you find the sincerity of Sandinista leaders? I was impressed. I was impressed by Father Descoto because he is a very gentle, very loving man. Uh, Ortega is an impressive guy. Uh, Ernesto Cardinal is a, is a funny looking guy. He's gray hair. And he really does remind you of a hippie. Did you have suggestions for them how they could organize their um, PR a little bit more effectively? I think it's yes. I mean, I, I, the point that I try to make to many of the people that I spoke to is they're getting killed in the American media. Mm -hmm. They just cannot compete. Reagan and his people are so sophisticated. They own the airwaves, of course. Reagan, the media, every time Reagan gives them a photo opportunity, thousands, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you very much for telling us another lie. Uh, you know, the media, of course, is not allowed to ask sharp questions of the president. That's not allowed. Uh, and, you know, my point to Ortega is they are not getting their message of what they are trying to do out to the American people. And there's, there's just no question about that. Um, and they just don't have that kind of sophistication to understand how to manipulate the media as, you know, the White House has dozens of people who are trained. They are trained and well-paid people who are professional manipulators of the media. They have their contacts in CBS and NBC and ABC. That's what they're paid to do, and they do it very, very well. You know, Ortega is the president of a country of three million people. They have probably one television station. They have no sophistication. They have no knowledge as to when you call, you know, they call press conferences that that the media can't even use here in the United States because it's the wrong time. You know, there's a whole science around this, which they're not aware of. They have contacts now with a hired a public relations firm in the United States, and they're trying to improve it. But the main point is, I think, they have got to very greatly improve their ability to communicate with the average American. Um, and that's what I said. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Here's another video with Bernie Sanders back in 1985. He bashes a reporter for... Referring to the uh, communist dictator of Nicaragua, Daniel Ortega, as a communist and a Marxist, and not as the democratically elected president of Nicaragua that demands uh, that he demands to be known as, you know, kind of like what they're doing with Maduro in Venezuela. Oh, he's democratically elected. He's duly elected. Not like our president. Our president wasn't duly elected. He must have colluded with Russia or something. So. Listen to Bernie Sanders stick up for Daniel Ortega. They used to play. Okay, Tom, I'd like to, and I'm at some difficulty. I don't watch the news every night. I watch it probably a couple of times a week, so I don't see you on all the time. But, Tom, what is a communist? One of my questions. Just for those who don't know, I produce and anchor the uh, 11 o'clock news on this station. What is a communist? Someone who subscribes in the majority to... Marxist ideals. Marxist ideals. Can you amplify your background in Marxism? I am not a, uh, a theoretician on Marxism. Tom, when you refer to Daniel Ortega, now I may be wrong, but certainly I know it's true of CAX, one of your colleagues, at least not you. Usually the phrase goes, uh, Daniel Ortega, Marxist leader or, or communist leader of uh, Nicaragua. Is that a fair statement? 
I would question communist. We have used left wing. No, you've gone more than left wing. We have used Marxist. Marxist, I believe. And again, I, I see the problem is I don't, my recollection, and, and I, I may be wrong on this, is the word communist ruler of, of Nicaragua. I don't think that would be fair. Marxist? Sure. On occasion. Daniel Ortega was elected president of Nicaragua in an election. Why don't we use the phrase Daniel Ortega, democratically elected president of Nicaragua? It's a fair question. You're trying to characterize the regime. Daniel Ortega denies, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Daniel Ortega, by the way, when asked is he a communist or a Marxist, will deny that. Is it appropriate, now, is it appropriate to, if we were to say, and I mean this just facetiously, you know, Ronald Reagan, fascist president of the United States, okay? <laughs> Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan does not consider himself, I don't think he is a fascist, he doesn't consider himself. Um, as you may know, I think the reporting on Nicaragua has been absolutely atrocious. Can you recall the last time that WCAX said anything positive about the Nicaraguan government? Unbelievable. Now, remember when we saw Bernie Sanders last was a clip of him in communist, uh, the Soviet Union in Russia, in communist Russia, shirtless, singing, this land is our land, this land was made for you and me. Well, listen to this with after his 1988 trip to the Soviet Union, Bernie Sanders praises their communist youth programs and then his wife, Jane. Remember, she was on the trip too because they did their honeymoon in Moscow. Well, they praise the communist system for not separating personal life and work. They even talk about puppeteers. So they've got great entertainment because their stars don't take time off from work to show their talent. They really want to do it, and their puppeteers are nice, too. I think it's also fair to point out that when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed by their public transportation system. The stations themselves were absolutely beautiful, uh, including many works of art, chandeliers that were beautiful. It was a very, very effective system. Also, I was impressed by the youth programs that they have, uh, their palaces of, of, of culture for, for the young people, a whole variety of, young, uh, of programs for young people, and cultural programs which go far beyond what we do in this country. Uh, we went to a, a, a theater in Yaroslavl, which was absolutely beautiful, had three separate stages where cultural programs are put on by professional actors and actresses, including a puppeteer uh, area, and the cost, the highest price of the ticket that you can get was the equivalent of a dollar fifty. I'm Jane Sanders, director of the youth office, and um, as as Jim said, we're echoing each other. The the city was beautiful. We were astounded with the openness, the optimism, the enthusiasm in in um, the nation. We had, I think, the things that struck me the most were the way that they dealt with, with children and with the cultural life of their community. Uh, as Howard mentioned, they put the money into public uh, facilities and we have pal they have palaces of culture uh, which are paid for strictly by trade union dues and those places have movies and dances and um, a lot of artistic outlets for people. Uh, for instance, they might become members of an orchestra and study uh, to play an instrument and, and perform. And when they go off on performances, it's seen not as something that they are doing on their own and they need to take vacation time from work, but it's seen as providing, uh, contributing to the community life. So that becomes part of their work. Instead of, the thing that struck me is instead of compartmentalizing their lives into a job and hobbies, it's all interrelated and it's all under the, uh, the banner of community um, involvement. Potemkin Village much? Do you remember those villages? The facade? The fake villages that the Russians made to impress the visitors? And they poured all this money into it while everything around them was in utter despair? Yeah, that's what they did to old Bernie. They showed them lies just to woo them in. And Bernie bought it. He was enamored by the BS that they were selling. And you know who else is enamored by the BS that is uh, being sold in college campuses to support this Marxist ideology? Your kids. Yes, your kids are being bought and sold. 
Why are you voting for Bernie Sanders? Because my debt is $226,000 and I only want to help people communicate effectively. What did you go to school for? Speech pathology. Speech mythology, and you're $226,000 in debt. So now we're voting for Bernie Sanders? Woo! She's volunteering right now. She's hustling. She's hustling right now. Tell everybody else to volunteer. Everyone hustle, text Journey for Bernie, phone bank, do Journey for Bernie! Yay, I get free college, and I get to pay off my debt for my Greek mythology degree. Yeah, you got a degree that was worthless. You paid 200 and some thousand for it. And now you're going to vote for the socialist who spent decades just enamored by the same communist ideology. He didn't waver. He's been that way since the 70s, since the 80s, since the 90s. And now we're hearing other clips that shows that Bernie Sanders hasn't changed one bit. He's still the grand socialist Marxist communist that he's always been. I'm Adrian Slade. I appreciate you tuning into the show. You can listen to the show on Mojo 50. It is the edgiest and newest conservative libertarian talk network every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, midnight Sunday morning Eastern Standard Time, and on Sunday at 5 p.m. Check out the podcast. You can check it out on Mojo Five-O's Spreaker page, Spreaker.com, or you can check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are hosted, you can get the uh, free Adrian Slade Show podcast. Be sure to rate it. Give it a five-star rating if you can. That helps bring it up in the ranks. You can also check out the blog, adrianslateshow.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Adrian Slade Show or at Rants Out Loud. You can also find me on other social media platforms, Facebook, Gab, MeWe, the official Mojo 50 social media site, Parlor, also on Snippy, and Convo. Search Adrian Slade. You could also donate to the show, patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Or go to anchor.fm and donate. We'll see you guys next time.